Good morning. On this bowl of question crunch, Sierra is here to talk about their career in burlesque as Elsie. Answering questions about how they got to burlesque, learning to love and appreciate your body, and which over-the-garden-wall character could be sexier. Now, before we were recording, I, we were talking about the fact uh, that doing things artistically via virtually is a pain in the ass. Yes. <laughs> How so? Because you were mentioned uh, doing a four-part harmony. How does that even work virtually? It didn't work really well. And then we were trying to, there's a couple of different apps. I forget all the names of them all. There's a couple of different apps we were trying to use to like just send in recordings and then layer them at least so we could have that recording of those four part harmonies still going. And it just, the result was never quite as good. You look at all these online choirs, there's tons of YouTube videos of like all these um schools during the pandemic that shut down trying to figure out how to record and still how how to have this music still going over the pandemic and all of the recordings are just like slightly off every time it's real bad <laughs> like <laughs> I, I i wish unless you have like a really good professional editor it just never turns out well on the like non-high professional high-tech I know how to mix my recordings and get everyone on a really good mic not just like a headphone mic to record um I so like one, one of my fr friends who are a voice actor uh she said that a lot of big name people were like oh man how how am I supposed to record my uh, voice for this cartoon now and uh, they were not ready to have to make a home studio because they're big names, so they don't ever have to worry about doing things from home. Yep. But the yep. poor folks. <laughs> I think I, there, there's been a lot of, uh, for a while there's, there was a lot of like closet studios happening where you have like your Yeti blue mic set up and then you got your like closet and like blankets hung up so you can just like go in there record your audio and then come back um a couple of people that i know ended up doing some stuff like that for for some solo work and then uh the the big group recordings that we we're trying to do because it was still through a college system at the time but yeah it was it, those didn't turn out as fantastically as some of the people who were able to just get their solo recordings especially for uh uh solos in songs doing a home studio closet mic situation that's insane yeah so uh i i have you on the podcast because i am just always amazed with how much stuff you put out there and when i say stuff it's it's art uh dancing singing um just a, a lot of really amazing acting just a, Ridiculous. I don't, uh, I, I, every time I watch a movie and I see something going on, like, uh, recently I saw a zombie movie and all the actors are like screaming and like, they're getting the person into the church area. And I'm just like, they're at work right now. No, thank you. I can't act. That's ridiculous. Like there'd be one moment where I'll be like, I'll scream and I'll be cool. But then very shortly after I started screaming, I'll realize oh, this sucks. This isn't real. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So, that being said, 
Um, how long have you been involved in the performing arts? Um, so, honestly, as far back as I can remember. Um, so, as far as performing arts goes, I was, I was, I grew up in, in church environments. I grew up in, I was the, the kid under the big old grand piano during choir rehearsal that would just hang out there. My parents were always doing something musically. My mom's a piano teacher. My dad plays pretty much any, uh, well, not any, he plays penny whistle and trombone, but he plays a lot of, of mostly woodwind instruments and he also sings. Um, but I grew up around music a lot specifically. Um, and I grew up around uh, like a family that sang a lot and, and in choir. And I was, I didn't start getting into dance until I was, um, well, I started taking lessons when I was five because ballet lessons, because my hips, my feet can turn, used to be able to turn all the way like inside and then backwards. Yeah. Uh, not fantastic. I had really like loose hips and they weren't, they, my feet always wanted to pronate in. And my mom was like, well, we'll put you in ballet. Like that should be a good way to start. Like, especially at a young age, start training your feet to like keep turning out and keep working on it. I still have terrible turnout, but, um, uh, it did, it, it helped me and it helped, you know, even when running, I used to like trip over my feet as a little kid because they kept turning in. Um, and it, it helped a lot and it helped get me a lot more coordinated because I was a really klutzy child. Um, and then I ended up taking a long break from dance and working on a lot of things musically. Growing up, I did a lot of, um, I did, uh, Salvation Army Kids Choir for quite a few years. I did a couple of different performing groups growing up. Um, I was really involved in church growing up. So I, I was always a part of different musicals that were going on at church and different um, different arts things there. Um, and I always, musicals are really where my passion lies. Um, my Oma, my, my grandma growing up had like a whole like cupboard full of VHS tapes of all of the Rodgers and Hammersteins and a ton of old musicals. And I, uh, my mom was my almost caretaker and we were over there at least a whole day once a week. And I would just sit on her couch and watch musical after musical. And I absolutely fell in love with the art form um, and fell in love with, I think just telling stories through every medium possible. Um, so telling a story through acting it out, through singing it out, through being able to dance. I mean, there's a, there's a saying throughout, um, uh, there's a saying throughout musical theater of when you, when words fail, you sing. And when that fails, you dance. Like you, you express this emotion and you, you expand the story through every art form available to give the most immersive and full story you possibly can. And that's what I fell in love with with musical theater. And I always try to involve myself in some kind of, of uh, like close by theater. Um, I'm trying to figure out the word community theater. There we go. Um, that's that's the word. Good. That's the word. <laughs> uh, I always try to involve myself in some kind of community theater nearby. Um, whenever I could, I I did 
no, Peter Pan growing up because it was at it was happening nearby. I ended up doing uh, Into the Woods Junior, which is just the first act of Into the Woods. Uh, which that's you know, right. <laughs> it should be a junior show. It really should not. It's it's way too heavy to be a junior show. Um, I was Milky White, which was honestly one of my favorite roles I've ever done. But um, the first act, and everyone lived happily ever after. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, the the second act doesn't happen. We don't. No one dies. It's fine. Uh, but it's so I always try to involve myself in in musical theater and. On the dance side, I started a competition dance team starting at about the age of, oh, I want to say I was about 12 when I started doing that that competition dance team, and I, that lasted me all throughout high school. Um, now, this competition dance team was a uh, ministry disguised as a dance team in, in a lot of ways. It was like, we're going to spread the news of Jesus via dance and go to competitions and win these awards, but we're, we're still, we are, you know, it was called Dancing for His Glory, quite literally. Um, I would be more willing to be converted if that was the case. If, if missionaries came and started dancing and did music, oh, that would be insane. If they, if, they, if they had like a portable piano and it came to my door and like, you want to talk about Jesus? I'm like, well, now I do. Holy shit. Honestly, coming door, I can see that coming door to door. Yeah. No, I, most of my, my experience with the arts actually did come from a lot of, uh, art outreaches that were ministries as well. Uh, yeah. Now my views on, on religion and creator and all of that have very much evolved since then, but like I, I did really appreciate that churches that I was a part of and different pastors that I, were, I, I uh, knew were really involved in the arts and really wanted to bring that into their ministry in general. And I, I appreciate that was a big part of their ministry, not just like all of the sports stuff that a lot of other churches ended up doing but like specifically arts and teaching the arts as a form of giving back to the community was always was just a ideal that was instilled in me from a really young age because of all of that you know whether or not that's a religious affiliation i i it's still like a really big like part of me because of all of that which is how i got into teaching <laughs> I, I, you know, I have my criticisms about religion, but I do, you, you can't, you can't ignore all of the amazing stuff for art that religion has done. I, I refuse to just completely ignore that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, something I, I quite often talk about is, uh, you know, with my sister, we always have these conversations of like, you know, religion is religions are, are all of these points of I had it out of this world experience that I cannot explain. I am going to express that the best way that I know how. And all of these mediums of art are a way to express that that um, idea of this is out of my understanding, my knowing. And the best way that I can express this is through a medium that isn't necessarily just words. 
Um, do you know the you know the art uh, the what artistic strategy? No, not strategy. Uh, technique. The te- technique to cross hatch. You know about cross hatching? Yes, yes, yes. Um, that was invented by the church because during the dark ages, um, you know, people couldn't read, but they still wanted to give everyone the Bible, and so they did cross hatch carvings hit that with paint and then did a quick little Bible that they were able to do. And uh, it was able to get the stories of the Bible to the people, even though the people couldn't read. That I didn't know. Thank you. That's actually that's, really cool. <laughs> cross is the only way you can get shading if you're doing print, uh, if you're doing art by print. Yeah. I didn't realize that that was created by the church. So that's actually super cool. Huh. Like I said, there's just a lot of little tidbits where I do appreciate what the church, what, what churches have done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Despite all the bad stuff. Despite all the bad stuff, there's still some good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's there's a lot, a lot of pain that was caused by the church, but there's sure. also weird parts in which they've attrib- they've contributed to art and the artistic world that is, is undeniable and still really cool to study. I love the idea of Into the Woods, but a happier version, because it just, it got me thinking of, like, Fiddle on a Roof, where it's like, then they got married and lived happily ever after, the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tevia did not have to disown anyone. Uh, the Russians didn't kick him out of their town. None of that. <laughs> Everyone's happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I was... Uh, uh having a conversation the other day and they were like yeah i've never even seen the second act of of into the woods i'm like it's very thought-provoking and it's very very good if you're not a person that doesn't like that that like melancholiness you will not like it (laughs) i feel like most musicals if you're not familiar with how musicals are written you're not gonna like it after all the popular songs are done (laughs) yeah yeah, unless you're on a Rodgers and Hammerstein where it's all just up. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I was just thinking even like a Sound of Music, you watch that and you're like, oh, now uh, end here and you're good. There's no yeah. there's no Nazis, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so you said that you love watching uh, musicals on VHS. Uh, what, what musical... Cause like okay, so recently I was in I was at work and uh, Chicago was going in my head. It was Chicago invading my head out of nowhere, and I was just I was loading up I was loading items into the boxes, and I was just like cellophane, and I started dancing. And I'm like, man, I hope none of my coworkers can watch this because I bet I look. You know what? I don't care. I'm gonna do it anyway. No one can see me, and if they see me, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna say? <laughs> so what musical a lot of times invades your mind? Oh, goodness. So many. Uh, normally a Sondheim musical. Normally. Uh, for me, a lot of the time that ends up looking like Sunday in the Park with George is one that pops up in my head quite a lot. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I Every Sunday I always get the Sunday on the blue, purple, yellow, and water. I get stuck in my head like every Sunday. I'm like, okay, well, here we go again. Good morning. Um, but it's normally a Sondheim musical. Um, I get, oh, I get uh, Sweeney Todd stuck in my head quite a lot. 
so my my sisters have a lot of uh, between my two sisters we all live in the the same compound we call it the compound but like the same property um and they we have like four dogs between all of us but whenever my my boyfriend and i are over we we always joke about um in in Sweeney Todd, there's the Barbara Pirelli song, the to shave the face, but we change it to to booba the snoot, to booba the snoot, and it's just like it's expanded from there, and like everyone in the household starts to eat it every single time that they that we have like we're starting to boop snoots of pups, yeah. <laughs> I Sweeney Todd invaded my mind last night actually because I was thinking uh, I was thinking about Joanna, and mm-hmm. that got me thinking about <laughs> rescuers down under and what, me singing to the lizard Joanna versus the character. <laughs> actually, now I want to see like a parody of that. That'd be so funny. <laughs> I just want I want to draw uh what's his face the uh the poacher singing about Joanna. It's not your eggs, Joanna. <laughs> I like Boop with a Snoot. I'm gonna every every time I think about Boop Boopy the Snoot, I'm gonna think yep. of that song. That's pretty fun. <laughs> yep. Oh, um, if Nickelode if a Nickelodeon cartoon were being made into a musical, which one would you want it to be, and who would you want to play? Who? who, who what, sorry, I'm reading my question right here. Who would you want to? Who would you want to play? Oh, I got. It. If you were in it, which character would you play? <laughs> Looks like. That's what my that's what my brain was going. Okay, I did it. Doing great. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, given my fairly fundamentalist upbringing, um, I was not allowed to watch Nickelodeon <laughs> a whole lot. So I don't like the Nickelodeon was like the the bad channel of of cartoons to watch. Um, it, it had Ren Stimpy, so I'm not gonna yeah fight your parents on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Um so as far as cartoons go Nickelodeon's is a Nickelodeon is a ten of hell. Yeah, yeah. That one doesn't really compete as much. But I was thinking about um different cartoons I, I watched growing up. I was obsessed with Kim Possible and dear God, if ever they made uh like a live version of Kim Possible sign me up that is that sounds like the most fun role ever i don't even care if there's not like singing in it even if that's like not a musical even if it's just like a you know how disney has their little like uh shows that they do um at the parks even if it was like one of those and you're just doing like a ton of flips and tricks and stuff oh sign me up that would be so fun that'd be really cool like that would be really popular if they had like a little uh kim possible stunt show huh uh-huh. Damn, like that's really cool. All, uh, Indiana Jones sun show at um at the Walt Disney World. Now I'm I've seen I I have seen Kim Possible, but I'm not too familiar with the villains' names. But I feel Shigo. what was that? Shigo. Is yeah. The, I, go on. Uh, Shigo is the the one the green one with like the fire capabilities. I feel like she would have to be in it, right? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely, and that would be so fun. I feel like doesn't she team up with another villain though, or is it her uh, dad? Oh, it is another villain, and then she's like the the. I I guess she's just mostly like the assistant. Um, I forget his name right now, but the like 
blue kind of la- uh, uh, professor type character, I guess. Not even a professor. He's wearing like that coat, the double-breasted yeah. coat. Yeah. yeah. And isn't he voiced like by Bender, I believe? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Which I'm sure that a lot of my friends who are listening to this, uh, they're probably very pissed off that I, A, can't remember <laughs> can't remember the villain's name, and B, can't remember the actor's name. I'm going to go with Bender. He did. He also did Joker from Under the Red Hood, but I can't remember. I'm blanking on his name right now. Cool, cool, cool. I mean, cool. I guess I can look him up right now. I got a, a few computers in front of me, but I'm not going <laughs> to. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, that'd be cool. I would really love that. I'm thinking of like what others. No, I think that would be the best stunt show I, that would they would be they they would be able to do, because yeah. they wouldn't even need mascots. They would just need people like in costumes. Mm-hmm. And because, honestly, I would love if that were a thing. I would love either Shigo or Tim. Either way, that'd be. It's just so fun. <laughs> who's the second person? Um, uh, Shigo is is or Kim herself. Oh, or Kim. That those are the characters that you would want to play. Oh yeah. I was just wondering if you were listening to another villain there that I'm like, I have no idea. Oh no, no. Uh, I'm bummed out that I don't like. Is Kim possible on Disney Plus? Because I'm. I would. It I is. Would love, okay, cool. I might binge that. I've I've gone back and watched a couple of episodes, but yeah. That oh, um, Cartoon Network show that if it were a musical, Powerpuff Girls. That that is one where uh, bubbles. Absolutely. That would be so fun. <laughs> I love how all my mine are like, mm, we're going to choose the superhero fight thing. But that's just like the dancer mover in me. I'm like, I want to go. If I'm if I'm going to be on stage and it's a cartoon, I want to I want to be fighting things. That'd be so fun. <laughs> so recently, I don't know. Would you say it recently? I'm going to say it's recently. I'm not entirely certain exactly about your timeline. But once you start posting that you're in burlesque, mm-hmm. uh, that's fantastic. I am absolutely a big fan of burlesque. Uh, and it was interesting when I first got into going to burlesque shows because I love the uh, body positivity. I love the um, sexiness. Um, but mm-hmm. then what I really love about burlesque is, as you were saying, telling the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, having a beginning, middle, and end of every performance that's not just about being sexy. A lot of times it's about being funny. A lot of times it's about uh, um, being able to show the different moods of the song that you're dancing to. And it's just absolutely phenomenal. It's one of my favorite art forms. I love it. Uh, what got you into the burlesque world? So I have always, that's that's always been the style that I've, I've kind of gravitated to in dance in the first place. Like I... I love it that it's like Nickelodeon. Can't watch Nickelodeon. That's evil. But burlesque. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. I didn't get into like that kind of dancing until college. I was, you know, until I was fairly out of, you know, my parents' umbrella, and I could start exploring things on my own. And then I started, you know, I, I started being in, in um, college dance teams and stuff. And we did. I think the thing that really like opened my eyes up to that was we did a burlesque number to. Um, um, show me how to burlesque from the movie burlesque um and it was a chair number and it was so much fun but the you know the comment I caught kept getting was just like be more confident in your body be more confident in your body you're not confident enough in your body and they were absolutely right like I you know 
fresh out of high school, not confident in my body. Um, you know, something I, I often talk a lot about um, is is with the specific kind of religious trauma I have, it was a lot of you can't trust your body, you can't trust your mind because it's sinful or it's wrong the majority of the time. And it was, um, it, it, that kind of started my, my whole journey through trying to figure out, uh, my own views on, on faith and my body. Cause I'm like, look, if, if this is how, you know, if we were believing in a creator and we're created, why am I, you know, hiding my, my body and myself and, you know, this part of myself, why is that a sinful thing of myself? And it really brought this whole idea into my life of like, no, I'm, I'm created to do these kind of cool things with my body. And that is, that is good. That is holy because that is me. That is, you know, that is the way I was created. Um, so being able to, to really let go of that part of my past and then start really owning my, my body and the way I moved and the way that I, I wanted to move um, was what really opened up that whole area of dance for me. And then I started, over the pandemic, my, um, my really close friend that I'd been dancing with for years, she uh, started teaching heels classes, heels dance classes, because she started being a part of a, a heels troupe uh, in LA called the Vixens. And she started like, just kind of on the side kind of as a like, Hey friends, like come dance with me. Um, 15 bucks for a class. Like we'll just hang out and, and dance. And I, I absolutely loved it. And then I got a call from her back, um, in August and she was like, Hey, so I got hired at, um, not scary farm for the year and I, or for the, the season. And the burlesque troupe that I just got a part of, there, there need people because a bunch of their people got hired out for different like Halloween gigs and stuff. Go audition for them. They they have you know these spots open. I'll give you the number of of the owner. And I did, and you know I I just showed up, you know, did my thing, and she was like, "You're a musical theater performer." I'm like, yeah. She's like, "Awesome, cool, yeah, you're in." Um, <laughs> and she she uh. Alexa's her name. She's a fantastic director. I absolutely love her as a human. Um, but she she was like, yeah, absolutely. Come on, come on in. We'll hire you for for shows, gig by gig basis. Um, and it it's been just so fun. And I think the thing that I like about burlesque specifically is, yes, it tells a story. I and mean, what you were kind of saying is, it, it does tell a story. But there's always It encompasses the fullness of sexiness, if that makes sense. It doesn't, it's not, I am sex for the pure enjoyment of sex. This is fun. This is flirty. This is nerdy. I did, so I think one of your questions was, what's your favorite show that you've done? At least for burlesque, we did a show called Gamer Girl during Halloween. And it was literally like any fandom that, that you could think of, you know, shoot us ideas of fandoms. I'll, I'll, um. Create a couple of pieces, and I did uh, a number to. Um, I did a number to Fallout 
so it was like Nuka-Cola started off and then it was kind of like fun. Um, it was a, a fun like two person piece where we were like both like fallout shelter girls. It was really fun. Um, and then did a piece to, uh, do, 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 do. oh, so my favorite piece that we did was a Velma Daphne number from Scooby-Doo to I Kissed a Girl. So good. It was just like it. So we, you know, I, I dressed as Daphne, she dressed as Velma, and it was like we, we started off with this like little like fight in the beginning where, we're, and then like ended up making out by the end, and it was just so fun and it was so good. But it, you know, it it encompasses that that fullness of the range of of sexiness. It's not just you know, it's nerdy. It's not just like we're going to dress as slutty as possible and try to seduce you. Like, that's, that's not what I'm about. <laughs> I think that you're right about it being, like, all-encompassing because there's so many different layers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not like the vilification of uh, nipples. I think it's ridiculous uh, how, right. we, how we approach them. However, uh, pasties are so fun. Like, if you uh-huh. find- if you find folks picking like very specific pasties for their performances, um, I saw. No, I'm not gonna spoil that. I, I don't even know who it was that posted on Instagram, but it was a really cool, creative pasty. I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to steal their idea. I don't want someone else to steal it, so I'm not gonna mention it on the podcast. The point is, is uh, burlesque is a lot of fun, and if uh, if someone does a performance uh, from a movie, if they did Aladdin, they could have like a genie pasties. And I think that's really fun and silly, and I enjoy that thoroughly. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, my friend, uh, the same thing that got me into it, did this fantastic piece where she started off with um, a lollipop, the lollipop, 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 started off with that super cute, flirty, high little skirt, high little like tie top, and then when she stripped down, it was can- it was candy shop. Uh, the, I'll take it to my candy shop, and then. She had candy nipple pasties and like underwear. It was so good, and she like was throwing candy out into the audience. I'm like, this is <laughs> this is top tier. This is fantastic, actually. And uh, that that's one of my favorite things about burlesque is the silliness. Because uh, sexy and sexy is cool. Don't get me wrong, I love sexy stuff. But if you can add humor, if you can add humor and silliness, I'm down. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Especially when you, especially when you can like put in a hint of like nerdiness with into that i think that's like my favorite realm is right there that's why like the gamer girl one was my favorite is because it's the it's the realm of like i might throw in a little bit of nerdiness and like a story to it but it's also really funny and fun and you know we're still gonna be sexy and flirty within it now when i said uh tell a full story i want to make sure that listeners know that you don't have to tell a full story i think that even like a gag, even if a, um, because uh, like I, I don't think a whole story has to be that long. A whole story could be one sentence. You can enjoy just the progression of the dancer coming on stage, showing you what's going to happen, and then have it evolve, as you said, uh, from lollipop to candy shop. I love the evolution to get from point A to point B. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. It's interesting that you mentioned that uh, when you were a kid, when you were first learning that you have to uh, love your body and knowing that if you're made 
how you're made, if God made you how you are, then you should be able to appreciate how you are. Um, that's so, <laughs> that's so depressing. Um, <laughs> because I feel like in the U.S., it's so backwards because we shun sexuality, we vilify sexuality, we think it's bad, we have to hide it. It has to be something that, you know, no one, everyone talks about in whispers. But when it comes to violence, when it comes to gore and blood and guns, that could be celebrated on the streets. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It is celebrated on the streets. Yep. And that's tragic because I feel like uh, we should appreciate nature and anatomy and just how we're made versus murder. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's always been the thing that frustrates me. And, you know, it's always like the classic conundrum of Halloween is like, why is the girl wearing fishnets and a tiny skirt, like, vilified during Halloween for dressing slutty, but, like, now we have, like, gore walking on the streets with your children. Like, that's, I don't understand the dichotomy here. (laughs) Like. When kids wear Freddy Krueger outfits, I'm like, this is weird. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or, you know, I've had a lot of different jobs, but the last year for like a year, I, I taught preschool, and the things that these preschoolers always already know of like, yeah, this this horror movie, like they're talking to me about like horror movies that their parents were watching over Halloween or how they were watching like Scream or something. I'm like, you are five, you are five years old. How are you watching that? This what? This doesn't make sense. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I love horror films, and I've been watching horror films since I was a little kid. Oh, absolutely! I I, I always have a strange thing where I'm like, oh man, you know, you should you should show your kid this movie, and they're like, do you think it's good for kids? I'm like, I don't know, and I don't think I'm the best judge. <laughs> well, yeah, and I think you know, uh, the growing the the joke within the homeschool community is like, I wasn't allowed to watch uh uh. I wasn't allowed to watch any R-rated movies, but I was allowed to watch Passion of the Christ, and that's so gory. Like, it's so... It's trauma... It's mentally traumatizing. Like, if you're watching that at a young age and you're not exposed to, you know, other gore and stuff, that's, that's... Yeah. And you don't have the conversations of, like, how does seeing these things make you feel? Not, like look at the fantastic things that this is like look at it's it's glorified as a uh, you know look at this love and 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 look at how love is portrayed in in these gore things not a hey let's have conversations about how you're feeling after you're watching someone get tortured for an hour like yeah <laughs> i watched that movie that movie's fucked up yeah yeah. Because I I only watched it once and I don't want to watch it again because I, 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 I don't mind gore. I really don't mind gore. But some movies, like if it's gore porn, I can't deal with it. Um wasn't there like a whip that latched onto Jesus' back and like ripped skin? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I believe I was eight the first time I saw that. Like Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not it's not something that you want to work at a young age. Um but yeah. The only why, the only reason why I brought up the fact that uh, kids wearing Freddy Krueger is uh, strange because of the context of the monster. But I don't mind. I don't know. I think kids are cool. I think kids uh, are smarter and more more. It's weird. 
because kids are dumb. Kids are dumb. Let's don't get me wrong. I do right. think kids are dumb. But I feel like people don't give them credit for being as smart as they are. I yes. think that kids, you'll be surprised how, how smart they can be. I just think that uh, this country's disdain for sexuality versus appreciation of gore is uh, backwards. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And when you uh, when you think about um, ballet and musical theater, I feel like I'm also wondering if the reason why the arts are always under attack is that kind of mentality of like we should not be appreciate our bodies and what our bodies can do. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! So sexuality. Uh, the, that... the first so. You were talking about shows that are, are um, your favorite shows, right? So favorite burlesque show was Gamma Girl. Favorite show I've done recently? Hair. So good. Okay, so it's about... Ha, do you know much about that, that musical? Or? Only that... Isn't there nudity? Yes. That's the extent of my knowledge of that, of that musical. That's, that's fine. <laughs> that's most people's extent of the knowledge because it wound up in the Supreme Court like twice. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But basically, it's it's a conversation. Um, it, it's about hippies in the sixties. It's about a hippie tribe in the sixties and how they operated. Um, it's kind of following loosely three main characters, but uh, and one person in particular story who gets drafted. Um, but it's the whole show is this conversation around censorship in general. Um, what does why are we censoring things? There's there's a song in there called Sodomy, uh, talking about all of these words, uh, all you know, masturbation, fellatio, all of these words, and why are these words so nasty? Why do we assign these things to be nasty when they are bodies, when they are us, when they are are part of the human experience? Um, and it. It's. It was so freeing to be a part of that show and a, a group that was so open and and have we all had these like really tough conversations around like, you know. Also conversations of like if you were drafted at the time, what would you have done? Would you have run away? Like, what does um, you know, what does censorship mean to you? Why are we censoring these things? What are what does that that look like, and how do we have these conversations? How do we have these conversations with kids? How do we have these conversations with ourselves? How do we have these conversations around consent and also vulgarity? You know, like it. It's the musical in general is a very good starting talk point I feel like it's one of those musicals that you watch and then you want to go talk about it afterwards because it has so much packed into it uh, especially the version that we did was uh, we ended up having to cut a lot of stuff so it was only 90 minutes but it's 90 minutes no stop normally you stop at the then there's there isn't seen a nudity and normally that's intermission and they're like we're not even doing an intermission we're doing this in Glendora we are making sure that no one leaves the theater we are, and they even like had everyone, um, you know, those like bags that you have for concerts, like where you put in the phone and then it locks. They had those bags for everyone uh, for the show so that they could take pictures, so that it was comfortable, that you could do the nudity scene. 
Um, and the way that they did it was really cool. You ended up going under like this, this parachute and it was whatever you were comfortable with for that night. Um, so like, you know, if your parents came and see, saw the show, one of the nights you would decide how comfortable you were like valid things, but it, it ended up being just a really good and freeing experience. And it's one of those shows that I, I will probably hold the, that cast forever. Like in my, my brain of, of just people that were, that these really good conversations came from. I think that if my parents ever, like if I was in a show that there was going to be nudity, uh, they just have to get real cool with <laughs> seeing my naked body real fast. <laughs> I, I straight up told my parents, I was like, you don't want to come see the show. I promise we are. The, you're basically supposed to play it high the entire show. Um, so there was one night. <laughs> yeah, I can tell the story now that the show's over. There was one night that <laughs> <laughs> there was about four of us who were like, I would be remiss if I didn't do one of these shows at least actually high. So we all took an edible. No. Oh, no. No, it was, no, it was actually really good. Okay. So it ended up turning out really, really well because there, I thought I had taken like maybe seven milligrams. It ended up being about a solid 20 to 30. And I was like, oh, no. Like once it started hitting, I was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. This is going to be fun. All right, let's go. We're going to go out there. We're going to kill this show. And, you know, we had this whole song called Walking Through Space, which is supposed to be like the beginning of this trip sequence that we have. There's a whole trip sequence within the, the second act of the show um, where the one who's drafted is having um, the best way that I've ever heard it explained is it's person who was drafted having all of these thoughts of classic Americans and what would they do in my situation? Um, what, what, what would classic Americans, so there's like, you know, there's, uh, different, um, people from the civil war that come in at, at different points. I know like Calvin Coolidge and like John Wilkes Booth end up like making an appearance and they're all just members of the tribe, like coming in at different parts and, and, you know, the, it's it's this conversation that he's having with himself while very high. Of what would they do in my situation? What should I do? And how would how should I I go about this and, and make this decision in my life? But anyway, so the song going into that whole trip sequence is walking in space, and I'm like high off my brain, and like we're pretending to like smoke, and because you couldn't actually show anything else, especially in the 60s on stage so you don't have to be smoke or pretend weed basically even though it was probably something much stronger because uh, you don't trip that hard off of just weed um but it it ended up being the most immersed in that show I had ever been and there was a, a part where we all come out for the be-in um like the there, there's like a, a whole point of, of, you know, partying and like a being and, and trying to create that like vibe as much as possible. And the four of us who had taken the edible all had the same entrance and the, we were all like standing backstage going, okay, you good? Yeah. You good? Yeah. We're all through it? Okay, cool. All right, let's go out there. <laughs> and it was just really, really fun. 
And one of the, the leads who had taken the edible made some of the best vocal decisions I'd ever heard her make. Uh, just because, you know, she was just in it. She was, she was there. She wasn't thinking about, um, how do I, how do I portray this? She was thinking about how do I be this right now? And it was really, really cool. The few times I've taken an edible, uh, I just, I couldn't, we were playing board games and I lost track of how many sides the dice had. So I don't know how you were able to do a performance. Uh, I will say, honest, for me at least, like, especially if I'm playing, like, D&D, for instance, and I'm just a little bit high, it's fantastic. I can, I feel like I can get way more immersed in the character personally. A little bit. A little bit's fine. Yeah. I'm okay with a little yeah. bit. But an edible knocks me off a lot. I can't, I can't do anything. Valid. Valid. Yeah. There's, there's been so many bad experiences. I think I only had, like, one good experience where I was just like, I'm going to sit on this couch and just enjoy TV and not have to move. But every time, every other time I'm like, Nope, this kills me. I don't do edibles. No, thank you. <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. But I would have easily paid to see that show. Oh, okay. <laughs> Once I, I would easily be, I would want to see that show. Uh, I wish we had, it was only a three weekend show and it was uh, our three, three day weekend show. And Again, I think it's probably my favorite musical I've ever done. Um, but it it was fully immersive, as in like the audience. It, it was on the stage instead of like every the the stage itself was on stage, and then we had like a little bit of set this way and a little bit of set this way, and the audience was all within it. So the audience is now invited into this tribe scenario and into this community. <clears throat> and so for the be in, we're like throwing flowers into the audience and we're, we're <clears throat> talking with people and interacting with people throughout it. And, and it was, it was really, really cool and really cool to be a, a part of and like literally this face to face with people and, and you were smoking on stage and inviting them to hit the joint with us. And like, it was a good time. I love immersive experiences. Uh, I find it really strange whenever, okay. I went to an immersive experience during Comic Con that was all about Blade Runner, and that was really cool. Um, they like they they built the interior of this building to look like the atmosphere of Blade Runner, and it was amazing. Mm. The details that they put on it were spectacular. But they had actors coming up and talking with people and try to get them involved. So I was just eating my noodles, and the person comes over and says something to me, and I'm like, "Oh shit, I don't remember the movie enough to be able to know if that's a quote from the movie." and Am I supposed to respond? Is there a response I'm supposed to know? I'm losing nerd cred. I like all of my nerds. That's how I feel with... about Star Wars Land. I, I, there's like this whole aspect of Star Wars Land in Disney that's all role playing and not supposed to be like super immersive. That I am, I'm just like not up to snuff with. And like, you know, people agree you like bright suns, and I'm like, I forget the response to this. This is a language that I don't know. Um, oh no. And uh, what, what part is that in Galaxy's Edge? Galaxy's Edge, it's it's within the shop. Within like, if you talk to um, um, people within there, it's like a whole immersive like role playing thing within that. Uh, the only role playing I've ever done in Galaxy's Edge, it was really funny because like uh, there was a celebrity. I think I'm pre I was pretty sure there was a celebrity in, ahead of us, and I was telling my friend who I was with, I was like, 
yeah, that person is blah, blah, blah. And one of the, uh, um, one of the guards, uh, <laughs> one of the guards, he says, uh, are you whispering secrets? And I was like, no, nope, no, nope, I would, I was just telling them how much we love, uh, the empire. And then I remembered, oh, wait, no, nope, sorry. Uh, it's not the empire. I was like, uh, actually, no, it was the, uh, uh, the first order. We love the first mm-hmm. order. He's like, did you say empire? And I'm like, uh, yes, I did. And he's like, that's a sore subject. I had family on a Death Star. And I was like, oh, who? And he's like, we'll ask the questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So but, I guess I guess you had to know that the Empire's not around for that scenario. You have to bring up the First Order. I can't even imagine if you work in Galaxy's Edge how much research is involved before that. I have a friend in the Stranger Things experience right now um, who is at... The, you go through the experience and then at the end there's like this whole star court mall kind of situation where there's different booths and stuff and they have um these the paid people paid actors throughout it who are basically improving for six hours straight um where they're they literally have to know everything about 1987 i believe is the year and to the point where uh, it's not 80, it's not 87. Oh, what year is it? <laughs> um, I think uh, if it's it, so it's the third season, right? Fourth season. Well, the the current season that the last season that we had was just in 1986. 86. There we go. 1986. Yeah, because the show ended the 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 last season ended prior just before my birthday and I was like, "Come on, I'm almost born. Let's do this." And it never got to my birthday and I was like, "Well, fine." But if it's the Star Court, because like the last season was '86, but if it's the Star Court, which is the third season, it's kind of like mishmashed in it. It's it's the fourth. They they went with the fourth season, but then at the end, you're like walking into like this small kind of scenario just so that you can spend more money and there's food and things. So okay. they call it like the Star Court Mall, and then there's like Scoops Ahoy there, and then they have like different like shops and stuff. And- yeah, the only reason why I bring up the dates is because I was really excited about them getting to my birthday in a yeah, show. But that's the only reason I care. That's the only reason I care. So, 1986, they have to know literally everything about that to the point where, you know, we have people talk, someone comes up to you from, like, the Hellfire Club, and they're talking about D&D, and I was talking about how, like, yeah, like, one of the last characters that I played was a tabaxi, and they're like, a what? I'm like, right. Right, which generation of, of D&D are we on? Oh, you only have four different races. Okay. Uh, so I played an elf. Elf, elf is, is one? I played an elf. And, like, I, I had to, like, completely backtrack and go, wait, where are we within this, like, giant can- uh, giant books of, of D&D? Because the oldest I've played is, is 3E, uh, where you're very limited as far as your your races and your classes go but yeah <laughs> that is remarkable damn because like i don't i'm not an improv artist i like i can i can talk and i can improv conversation but when it comes to acting no thank you um and then you have to know all the history and just have it memorized Fuck. uh-huh <laughs> uh-huh and so like you can't mention anything about sequels of movies that have already come out. It was, and, and they're going to look at you like, huh, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? And it's like, you've done your research. Hold on. Um, let, let me figure out what's going on. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's uh, I, the amount of of research that it it took for him to have to basically be an expert on 1986, so that you can have material to go off of for six hours of just talking to people as this character. Um, yeah. <laughs> But he was in the Hellfire Club, so he at least knew the specifics on what you had to know. So he wasn't in the Hellfire but my friend wasn't. Um, my friend ended up going through with us on the day that we went through, because it was like a friend or family day, and he was like, I'm not working, so I can go with you guys. So that was super cool, and got us in for free, which I, honestly, it's a cool experience, but it's so much money for what it actually is. And the coolest part is the end, where you're already going to have to spend more money to get, like, food and drinks and stuff and you can stay in that area as long as you want but yeah anywho but the the uh immersiveness of that end part with he he was a uh reporter and his character is part of excuse me the newspaper and uh the newspaper is like very much interested in anything small happening and any kind of gossip. So it's fun when you're with a group to like start up some kind of gossip and you like kind of learn people's names. It's like, oh, well, I heard Terry wants to like ask Sarah out to homecoming. And like, I think that you should go talk to them about it. And then they'll be like, oh my gosh, I gotta go get that information. And they'll like run over there and you're like part of this like whole storyline that you can like help create. It's really fun. <laughs> Speaking of creation, uh, <laughs> that was a weird segue because I'm like, speaking of creation of everything, uh, no. <laughs> speaking of creating stories, uh-huh. originally this question was going to be, uh, if you were going to do a performance based on one of the villains from Lord of the Rings, who would you choose? But I didn't know that you're into D&D. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I would presume that that means that you're a big fan of the fantasy genre. I am a big fan of the fantasy genre, yes. So what's a character, what's a villain in the fantasy genre that you would pick to do a burlesque performance as? Oh, goodness. Because um, now there's a whole wider selection. Because I was going to go with Lord of the Rings because I figured that everyone's seen that. I would hope that everyone's seen that. Yes. Definitely seen it. Definitely not as, I feel bad because I'm not as nearly as proficient in Lord of the Rings as, like, my sisters are. Um, That's okay. If, have you ever read Tolkien? Yeah. I read my, roommate's cur- my cur- roommate's currently reading it, and he's saying that it takes forever. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he world builds like dickens. Um, yeah. Um, oh, gosh. The entire thing. Uh... I know who I would pick now I think about it. Holy shit. All right, never mind. I'll, I'll let you answer first, and then I'm going <laughs> to. Wait, no, go, go ahead, because if you start talking, I might, be, I might be able to think of something. I kind of feel like I would dress up as Darkness from uh, Legend. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Um, Look, massive horns? I'm not sure. Or, you know, make it smaller? I don't know. Let's see. I just really want to do a Tim uh, a Tim Curry performance. That is Pennywise. That's not Pennywise. I'm not going to do a burlesque Pennywise. So you said Tim Curry, and the immediate thing that I thought of was Ferngully and, like, the goo from Ferngully. <laughs> uh, Hexus? <laughs> yes! That's upsetting. I didn't know Bender's name. Bender's really name, but I know Hexus. <laughs> you know, the thing that sticks in 
the things that don't. Like fan of firm belly. And so oh. when you brought uh has there 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 must have been a performance done to Toxic Love, right? That's too obvious. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there is somewhere. But yeah, that would be really funny. The other thing that I thought of was um are you familiar with Over the Garden Wall? Yeah. Uh, uh the Beast. The Beast would make such a cool number, I feel like. Do you know about Ashlita? Uh-uh. Uh, Ashley is a burlesque performer, and she does uh, a performance from Over the Garden Wall. Uh, she's the pumpkin whatever. That's so good. That is so good. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been wanting to do that as a Halloween costume for years. <clears throat> but yeah. Uh, after, after recording, I'll send you. I, I, you know, eventually I'll get her as a guest on the podcast. But after the recording, I'll send you the link to her Instagram. Oh, that'd be so cool! Please do. And oh, it's funny because like a lot of people, when they show me, because like you know, everyone knows I love Halloween. Everyone knows I love pumpkins. And so a lot of times, like she'll show up in someone's feed, and they're like, "Jimmy, check this out!" And they'll send me a pumpkin thing. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I follow actually the. Do you know what that's from?" And they're like, "No." I'm like, "Oh, I've got a cartoon for you." <laughs> it's so so good. Um, it, I was actually introduced to it, um, uh, from my friend, uh, it was her and her friend who recently passed away. It was their, like, show together, and he absolutely loved it. And, um, my boyfriend and this friend actually have a matching tattoo of the lantern from Over the Garden Wall on them in remembrance of, of Will. It's, it's just so good. Um, and, and. That's friend, horrible tip. That's a and that is an adorable tattoo. I love that a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, and and he designed my boyfriend designed it and everything for both of them. It's it's just really cool. It has like a little brand in the middle. Uh, that's Will and yeah, yeah. It's really really good. I feel like that shows a hard sell though, because like uh, it's weird. It is, but it's it's weird and cottagecore. Which is like kind of where I lie, <laughs> which is like the the perfect combination for me. Uh, but it's uh, it, it's just really well done, and the music is just always on repeat during the fall for me. Um, potatoes and molasses is sung every single time that we start making mashed potatoes, and it annoys my the crap out of my oldest sister, and it's really funny. Um, Whenever I try to hook someone on the show, I'm like, it's gorgeous, it's beautiful, it's well done, it's 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 one of my favorite shows. Um, it gets creepy, but don't expect the music to rhyme. I think that's my favorite way to describe the show because the songs don't have to rhyme. Just know that kind of uh, that kind of quirkiness. I think you'll enjoy. It. Well, I think I enjoy because I I, <clears throat> I I watch kids a lot. I, I babysit kids a lot, but it's. The, the songs are all from a kid's perspective, right? You, yes. When you, when a kid starts singing, it's it's not sensical the majority of the time, but it's it's true to life in in that way. Is is these these songs like, um, uh, Ad, Adelaide going to the past with the Adelaide or Kids and Molasses? Like these are these are songs that easily a little kid could quickly come up with and then you know it's expanded upon obviously by an orchestra and the blasting company who's a fantastic artist. so if i'm doing a dance to that show it's going to be uh tim curry still so i'll be uh what's it uh whispers oh uh, anti okay. is it anti whispers 
Okay, cool. I it's been a long time, so you know what? I'll watch the show tonight. I like that show a lot. Um, so you'll you'll you would pick the Beast. Mm-hmm. What song would you dance to if you have that off the top of your head? Um. The immediately, I think of the the Beast song from the Tavern. Um. Wait, even better would be the Highwayman. That would be even better. <laughs> that song comes out of nowhere and it's just so good. Actually, no, I changed my answer from the Beast to the Highwayman because that would be like, that would be the funniest of them. I feel like the Beast would be good, but the Highwayman would be funny, and you just see like <laughs> trench coat and like scruffy. Be- yeah, no, that's what I'm choosing. <laughs> <laughs> So you had mentioned earlier uh, getting more in touch with yourself and being and learning how to be proud of your body and be happy with your body, being confident with it enough to be able to uh, to show what your body can do. You know, bodies are pretty amazing. And so a lot of the like whenever I watch anyone doing pole dancing, it's nuts. I tried it once. That's exhausting. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what would you do? What would you say to someone who is a who, who has difficulty getting confident with their body and might want to get into burlesque? I think part of it, for me at least, was watching yourself dance in the mirror. Not watching the other people around you dance, not trying to follow other people, but watching yourself and how you move. And falling in love with how you yourself move. Um, and we were, we were talking about drugs earlier. I, I jokingly say, like, but it's, it's kind of true. Get yourself really high and then watch how you move. Watch how you move when you don't think that other people are watching you and you don't have this preconceived notion around you of, of what do I look like and how do I want to be perceived right now. Um, and starting to fall in love with with one who you are, but then two, what your body naturally wants to do. Um, and then you fine tune it with technique for dance, and you you go through that whole process, and that's what dance classes are for. But dance classes can only get you so far if you do not love yourself. Oh, <laughs> oh,